We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Seahawks Man to Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3 to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Make sure and peep OfficialK9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, use code Seahawks on OfficialK9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details. Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. You guys can follow me on the tweet machine. That's at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. It's a sad episode coming to you guys. This is our first Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast episode. I don't know how long, or I'm actually not verified anymore. Elon Musk has officially taken away the blue check. I'm not paying whatever the amount is i don't even care if it was a dollar i probably wouldn't pay that per month to that man to keep the check so it's a somber hello as i greet you folks today on the seahawks man to man podcast chris go ahead and talk to the people yeah i'm gonna talk my ish the day has arrived where mike is just like me back in the common folks section no verification none of that he is back on team regular and i love it because for the last four years i've been hearing Oh, Chris is not verified yet. <laughs> but Elon Musk ruins things, and he has ruined Twitter. My timeline's not the same. It's a mess. But we're not here talking about Twitter and all that. We're here to talk about the Seahawks draft because, man, they made some some headlines. They made some waves, and you can follow me on Twitter at CKIDB206. But, Mike, let's jump into it, man. The first few picks for the Seahawks are in. Yeah, so I'm sure you guys watched if you're listening to the show. They drafted with the fifth pick, took Illinois quarterback, cornerback Devin Witherspoon, um, number five overall. I know I almost called him. Uh, I almost called Devon. him Devon. It looks like Devon. That's I'm gonna struggle with that. Um, Devin, 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 Devin Witherspoon with the fifth pick, twentieth pick. They took Jackson Smith and Jigba, a receiver from Ohio State. Um, the Seahawks, no matter Chris, no matter where they pick, they could pick twenty eighth. They could pick 29th, they could pick 9th, whatever, they could pick 56. No one knows what the Seahawks are going to do with their top pick. No one ever knows. It was all Tyree Wilson, Anthony Richardson, uh, Jalen Carter, uh, Will Anderson Jr., if he was there, which he was not. 
Um, Texans traded up a lot to get Will Anderson. Um, good for them. Great player. Uh, should be a great player. But that just speaks to like how good the Seahawks are. Just always zigging when when the rest of the league is zagging. And not necessarily that they're taking a top five corner is like totally zagging. It's just that very few people. I don't know if I saw any mock from anybody, whether it was somebody tweeting it to me or a national person or an analyst that was like, yep, Devin Witherspoon, um, fifth pick. I really, I really think the only person I saw really beating the drum for that was um, Corbin Smith read uh, Sports Illustrated um, was like, yo, if they take a corner, it should be this guy, Devin. Shout out to him for kind of like forecasting uh, that one. But very, very, very shocking pick. Um, a bit of a right, – we'll get to Jackson um, uh, as well. Or should we st- we go pick by pick or you want to look at both picks at large? How you well, you was about to go Devin, so just go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll start with Devin. Um, Devin's not – Totally Seahawky with the measurables. I'm looking at uh, the homie Dane Brugler's draft guide uh, at com- at the combine. Devin was five eleven in some change, uh, maybe closer to five uh, five or uh, six foot. Um, I almost said five twelve, <laughs> six foot. Uh, <laughs> about 181 pounds at com at the combine, and 185 at pro day. So you know, take take that for what it is. Arms are 31 and a quarter. Uh, I don't, I don't know if this is decent hand size or not. Wingspan looks okay. Um, ran four, four, three. Good. Uh, I think this short split, the short subtle split is good. What was it? Uh, one, five, eight. I got to check that. Sorry. I don't have all the, all the percentile stuff measured. Anyway, basically he's like a good, but not like super freaky athlete, like good athlete, uh, which, which is fine, but he doesn't like. Like if they had took Sauce Gardner last year, I'd have been like, oh, okay. Like this looks like a sea hockey dude from the size, the frame. Like even even Derek Stingley uh, as well. So that was that was shocking right there. And the positional part was interesting because there's like Chris two ways to look at it. So like for example, everyone knows at this point if you follow the Seahawks that the Seahawks had never taken a cornerback higher than 90th overall. Right? That was with Shaquille Griffin in the 2017 draft. Um, They've usually been able to find starters in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds, which is incredibly impressive. Because they had done that, everyone was like, well, why would they take one with the fifth pick? That's crazy. They ain't never done that before. Um, and then I asked Pete Carroll that at the combine. I was like, yo, Pete, you haven't taken a cornerback high um, before. And I also mentioned receiver. I lumped receiver in that question as well. I was like, yo, what's up with that? Is this how you feel about the position? Is that how those drafts fell? And he was like, yeah, it's not really an indictment of how we feel about those positions. You're just like, that's just kind of how shit shook out in those in, in all of those drafts in which they hadn't taken a receiver higher than 45. I think that was P. Rich. And they hadn't taken a corner higher than Shaq. Um, and I, I always kept that answer in the back of my mind because I knew Pete was telling the truth um, just because of how he was like, just it was one of those because you can tell when somebody lying with like when it's just so natural. It was like, no, no, no. It's not we hate corners. We just ain't found one we like to take that high. Um, and to Pete's credit, they haven't really passed on that many corners um, over the years that have been worth it. They passed on, I think they passed on, uh, they passed on Jair Alexander in 2018, and then like Tre'Davious White in 2017. Those are like the two big ones that pop up. So um, the positional part was surprising in that regard, but then I also was like, it kind of reminded me like they've been evaluating corners in the back half of the first round for so long. Same thing with receivers. 
So I kept that in mind too. Like, you know what? If Pete finds him a dog, he might just take one. Uh, and and just like I said, I thought they would have took Sauce if he was there. Actually, I know they would have taken Sauce um, if he was there with pick nine last year. So knowing that they would have taken Sauce at nine, um, I'm pretty sure I was like, oh, okay, they could take a guy uh, at at five. So that I'm I'm surprised, but in that context, perhaps not as surprised. Just knowing that, yeah, Pete's been able to find gems, but he's almost had to find gems. Like give him a chance, give him a top five pick or whatever. Like he probably would have taken Jalen Ramsey. That in whatever uh, I think that was 2016 draft. Jalen was like pick six or whatever the hell. He probably would have just taken him. They didn't have that pick that high. I think they had pick 26. I was a little, I was a little shocked. I was a little shocked by that. Um, because Chris, I don't think do we even did his name even come up in like any of our pre-draft stuff before this? Mm. I don't think he's one of the I corners don't... we discussed with Doug. I no, it wasn't him. It was Gonzalez, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, so I think this it it shocked me. I was thinking they because I I just remember what Pete Carroll said at after the loss to the Niners, they got beat up up front. They need yeah. someone up front to set the tone and well not set the tone, just help this defense get back to where they are, where they can have an effective pass rush and be able to stop the run. And when you hear those words after that loss, you're thinking, well, it's obvious. The glaring issue is staring you in the face. There are multiple guys in the first round that they could go out and get if they're not comfortable with Jalen Carter, with his decision-making, with him as an overall player. Okay, cool. There are still other players that they could have gotten to help this pass rush, help the the defensive line in general. They passed they, on Tyree Wilson, too. Yeah, they passed on it. And... We could look back and say, wow, they really blew it there. But also something that you've hinted at on previous shows and something that I've alluded to is the importance of drafting in the top 10 and how big it is. You're drafting a guy that you want to be in the Hall of Fame at the end of the day. That's what you're that's the big dream. Like he is a Hall of Famer, all pro guy. That's the hope. Obvious. Obviously, that doesn't always happen. It could be a fifth-round pick that becomes a Hall of Famer. It it could be a sixth-round guy. Whatever the case may be, it's not always going to be those top ten dudes that end up being the greatest players of all time. We understand that. But to take someone like that, number five, and Devin, that's a lot. That's a huge swing. And I'm unsure if he is going to be Sauce Gardner. Like, that's pretty much what the Seahawks are indicating. Like, this is going to be our sauce gardener alongside Tariq Woolen. Mm-hmm. That's huge. I don't know if he's going to be that. Can he? Absolutely. He can do it. But I'm not seeing that just based off what I'm reading. I, I see a great a starter in the league. I'm seeing potential pro bowler, a Hall of Fame game changer. That is what the Seahawks would love to have. And I think maybe they did a little reaching there. And that's cool. If they reach and they believe this is their guy, that's fine. I do love their 20th pick, which we'll get into, but I just, I'm a little concerned. Like, damn, you think he's going to be Sauce Gardner? Well, we don't think he's going to be Sauce Gardner, but, well, there ain't no but, man. Either you, either you got Sauce or you didn't. And we saw what Sauce can do. He was neck and neck with Tariq Warren for Rookie of the Year. He ended up winning that defensive Rookie of the Year. He ended up winning it, obviously, but that's the type of, 
that's the level you're looking at right now when you're looking at corner. And I'm unsure if Devin is that guy in that regard. But we'll find out very soon. We'll see what he's all about. I'm going to go through and look at the highlights and, and read on what he's what his strengths are. I mean, we saw what the beast is up. Let me pull that up again. I had it open. Some of his strengths are he competes with tenacity of a junkyard dog. Well, that screams Pete Carroll because what does he love to do? Compete. So him and Mike Jack, they're going to battle it out, as you hinted in your article that's going to drop. It's already out, I believe. But yep, yep. I, I there's just concerns there. And Dane had him as a first-round ninth overall, so four picks later. I mean, Chris, Dane had him as the ninth overall. The Seahawks got him at five. Is it that big of a difference? Okay, maybe I'm wrong, too. But I, I, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Obviously, he – is really good at getting after the run. He reminds me of Richard Sherman in that regard. He's not afraid to get his nose in there and make a play. I mean, the first highlight I saw on the when I was watching the draft was him blowing up a screen to a running back. I believe they're in cover two, and he just sees it. from As soon as the ball snapped, like play recognition, he understood what he needed to do when he got there and made a play. If I'm not mistaken, I guess he knocked that guy out the, out the rest of the game. So he's very physical, oh, but yeah, exactly. Oh, damn. So he's definitely explosive. But, damn, I thought they were going to go D-line. And maybe I'm just stuck in that mode of, well, Pete, you said you wanted to do this, you needed this, and you go out and draft a corner. Am I missing something here? Obviously, they still have day two. And when we did our mock draft with Bleacher Report, we were able to get a bunch of guys that were available in the second round. We filled that up with plenty of talent. So maybe that's their thought process. Okay, we got the best corner, one of the best corners in the draft. With number five, and then we were also able to get an elite wide receiver talent at 20. Okay, now in the second day, let's go after the D-line. Let's get linebackers. Let's really solidify our defense, and that might be the case. So I think it's funny. I watched the uh, – I re-watched the playoff game, uh, the loss to the, the Niners. Niner? Okay. Yeah, because I was just like, man, I hadn't watched it in a little bit, so I was like, okay, before the draft. I didn't watch it. It was like a couple days ago. But – what stood out to me, I was that's what kind of that's what made me think about dang, if they had took sauce, like I can see why you could watch this game and think the ceiling of the cornerback group is not that high. And that's what it comes down to uh, with both picks. We'll get to Jackson here in a second. With uh, the ceiling is raised by this pick. Like I do think like they had a decent floor with with Mike Jack and, and Tariq. Like Mike Jack and Tariq were just fine last year. Like they were together, that, that was a fine cornerback pairing. Then I watched the Niners game. I was like, but what it could be is probably not what it needs to be to get you where you want to be, particularly if you watch like the Eagles last year and you see that like Bradbury Slay was it was like that over there. You watch the Jets uh, with um, DJ Reed and Sauce or even like a healthy Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. Like there was some cornerback tandems where he's like, okay the ceiling on these groups is really high. Well, how do you get one of those? You know, this, the Jets went and drafted Sauce, paid for DJ Reed. Um, who was the other one I said? Oh, they uh, the Eagles traded for Slay, picked up Bradbury off the scrap heap. You know, like there's ways to get those guys. Uh, I think the think the Ravens drafted Marlin and traded for Marcus Peters. Uh, but either way, depending on – it doesn't really matter how those guys were brought in, but I just watched that game and I was like, yo, Brandon Ayuk is open as hell. <laughs> like that is – I could I could see watching that game and being like, yo, we should not we should not have got carved up like this by Brandon Ayuk and Brock Purdy. Let's draft some guys. Let's be stickier. 
uh, on these dudes. So I think they bypassing raising the floor on some uh, on on other groups on the D line to raise the ceiling on the cornerback room is something you can rationalize. Um, I, again, I was a little surprised they did it, but like Pete's probably watched that 49ers game a little bit more than I have, so I can see why he went went that route. And another thing that's gonna st- that stands out to me with De- with Devin that I think is interesting is that Devin's really sticky, really feisty, has really good ball skills. 17 passes defense last year, 26 total in his last 22 starts, which is just bananas. Like he's getting his hands on the ball. And like you mentioned, Chris, it's a lot of route recognition and jumping stuff and driving on stuff than it is like just having long ass arms. Right? I think <laughs> it's like his arms aren't just super long to knock. Like that's, that's what happens to Tariq in part. He's just got long ass arms and he's fast as hell, right? Six, four with like however long 34 inch arms, whatever Tariq has um, and runs four two. That's not Devin. Devin wins with um, like knowing what's coming route stuff. Kind of how Kobe Bryant won at the Jim yeah. Thorpe, with the Jim Thorpe Award uh, his final year at Cincinnati. He had a bazillion passes defense that year too. So that that really stands out uh, to me because boy, it, it's this transition to with to um, to Jackson as well, Chris. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Both of these guys, they have real potential to help on third down. Like when when Devin knows a pass is coming, he's got a chance to get his hands on the ball. When Jackson lines up on third and eight and there's DK over there and Tyler over there and the defense is like, we got a bracket 16, we got a, we got a cloud 14 side. Well, shit, ain't but so many defenders left to cover whatever number Jackson wears, right? So, like, he's going to be able to get open. Um, and I think that that has a lot of value. And again, it's a ceiling thing. Um, they're still a little thin on D line, not a little thin, actually, a lot thin. Oh, they're thin. <laughs> yeah, but I think those those kind. And I got to watch some more Devin film. I have a bunch queued up for when we're done recording. But that really jumped out at me. The, the ball skills he was able to have and how he was able to make those plays on the ball, despite not being the fastest dude and not being, um, you know, not being super long and not just sitting back and playing a bunch of zone either. Chris, you'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some of the film I got. He's out here manning up and following guys all over the damn field. 
playing inside, yeah. playing outside. So he's he, he could do a little bit of everything, and he's tough as hell in the run too. And that's probably the last thing I'll say on Devin is that when you got a corner that that can tackle, every DB coach in the country is gonna bang on the table to be like, "Give me that dude." Because that's yep. the thing with corners, right? It's like, okay, you can cover a go ball. That's cool. What happens when they run outside zone to your side? Hmm. Do you man up and set the edge, or do you or do you tuck your tail and get pushed out of bounds? Right, like that's that's an issue. That's legit concern. It ain't gonna be fifty pass plays in a game. It's ain't college. That team is gonna run the rock, and if they can know they can run it at you, they will. They're not gonna be able to run it at Devin with consistency, even as a rookie. I don't think so. Um, I'm a fan of the pick. I'm with you. A little bit of a luxury, little reachy, uh, but it's just it's the choosing the ceiling uh, to be raised. Which I, you know, again, you watch the playoff game. Everybody go watch the playoff game after this. You'll be like, yeah, no, I see what Mike's talking about. <laughs> These cats is wide open. Yeah, it's we'll see how it all works out. That's the the best part about it. We get to see in the, over the next few months how he will look in a Seahawks uniform. The one thing that you that you mentioned before we go to Jackson is his ability to play in man. The Seahawks last season. They experimented a lot with their defense, to be honest, and how they run coverages from man, zone, you name it. Match coverage. All of that. Mm-hmm. They're bringing in someone that is comfortable in man. He mm-hmm. he doesn't panic. That's, that's kind of my big thing when I look at corners is their ability. If they get beat maybe on a quick move, do they panic? You could tell when someone panics. Mm-hmm. Everything that they've learned goes out the window. <laughs> They start doing the grabbing. They don't turn for the ball because they panic, and that happens. Devin doesn't show too much panic. He's very aggressive, which very could result in flags and things of that nature, but that's something that can be learned and taught to, okay, you can be aggressive, but here's how to be aggressive and not get penalized. He doesn't panic, and that's why that's where I'm like, okay, this could benefit the Seahawks, someone that – is not going to be uncomfortable when they're in a scenario where it might mean they should be uncomfortable. There have been times where you watch a game, a guy gets uncomfortable, and they don't turn their head, which is, hey, if you turn your head, you can make a play on the ball, interception, pat, bat the pass down, everything under the sun. That's where I like his game. He's comfortable in man, doesn't panic, and as far as zone, they could teach him the right way and the Seahawks way and I think that'll benefit him. And maybe he does become this elite corner. And now you have Tariq and you have Devin. D-Dub and T-Dub. What a combo. Sign yeah, me up. I got a, I got a text from someone. Um, how do I want to characterize this? Uh, they're, they just, they're in the organization. It doesn't really matter. They're high up enough. Um, I was just talking to them about the pick. I'm just, they were just like, look, can't never have too many guys who can cover. Mm. You know, it's very similar to having guys who can rest the passer. You just, just really no such thing as having too many of those guys. Yeah. Um, so that was some good kind of rationale um, for that. Now we can talk about Jackson, um, who – oh, also, actually, I had one note before we went to Jackson. Um, sorry, Jackson, we're going to get to you. Um, in Dane Brugler's draft guide, he did note that um, Devin had 11 penalties uh, over the past two years. That is a lot. That's bad. Um, I believe I believe that's on pace, if not more, uh, or a little less than whatever Trey Brown had his last year at Oklahoma. And Trey cleaned that up pretty easily. So I do think that's the one particular thing that if that's a knock on a guy's thing, I do give the Seahawks the benefit of the doubt to fix that shit. Because Trey was really grabby in college. 
um, because he was coached to be grabby. And then he got here. He was coached not to be grabby. Fixed it. You know, like it, one of that's one of those things that you can fix. You know, you can teach that. I don't know how much route recognition you can really teach. That's you got to you, know, you got to feel that out. Um, Chris, I love the Jackson Smith and Jigba pick. I, I, I could not. I, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I would have loved any pick more than picking Jackson Smith. Uh, in Jigba, I was before he was on the clock or before he was uh, taken. I was texting with my homie who was a Raiders, excuse me, a Ravens fan. He was like, Ooh, Jack Smith and Jigba fall into my Ravens at whatever pick they had. I was like, Brother, he is not getting by the Seahawks. So it's like, Let me burst your bubble today. right now. <laughs> right now, he is not getting back. I just, I just could feel that one, man. He just, dog, every once in a while, there's just like a play or a game in college where you don't even got to watch the tape. It's just like, if you watch that game or that play, it's like the Jadavian Clowney play, uh, when he knocks that dude's head off, I think it was like the Citrus Bowl or something. Like You look at that, you're like, oh, okay. That's, everyone should try to draft him, like tomorrow. Um, you know, when I watch Anthony Richardson against Utah this year, it was like, oh, okay. There's probably not many quarterbacks in, in the country better than that dude right there. I don't really need to see much else. But C.J. Stroud, watch him play against Georgia um, in the CFP. I was like, oh, that dude is probably the best quarterback in the league if it's not the dude in Florida. With Jackson Smith and Jigba, it was the Rose Bowl a couple years ago when he had a bazillion yards. Did you, were you watching that live, Chris, the Utah uh, – was Utah Ohio State Rose Bowl a couple years ago? I didn't see it live, but I saw the highlights, saw the timeline exploding, and boy, he he put on his show. Duh, it looked like he was playing crazy. flag football out there. Well, it was it was some it was it was Madden. It was like playing like I was just for example, I was just I don't play a lot of Madden, but I was playing uh, I was playing my girlfriend's nephew a couple weeks ago, and uh, I don't play much. So we but we had both of our settings on rookie, and we were just going crazy. I had like six touchdowns with Tyreek Hill for like 350 yards. That was Jackson Smith and Jigba in the Rose Bowl uh, a couple years ago. And Utah secondary isn't like the best thing in the world. But still, it's the Rose Bowl. They had some dudes out there, and he looked incredible. I remember tweeting about him in real time, comparing him to Tyler Lockett that day. It was one of those moments where it's like, even Josh Snyder said it today, it was like, he was like, this time last year, we knew Jackson Smith and Jigba would be a top 10 pick in 2023. Mm -hmm. But the only reason he's not is because he hurt his hamstring against Notre Dame in like week one of this year and fell. And you can see John. John's a religious man. You can kind of see it in his eyes. He's like praying like, oh, thank God he fell. Uh, it's like, almost like thank God for the hamstring injury because this dude is everything the Seahawks need. There was like a few dudes, Chris, in the draft at a few spots who were like everything the Seahawks needed. Jalen Carter was one. Um Long-term, Anthony Richardson was one as well. Um, but, like, look at some other spots. Like, Michael Mayer um, is one as well. Um, at receiver, it was Jackson Smith and Jigba. You want to talk about body control, spatial awareness, um, like, the ability to accelerate and decelerate, which is probably more important than straight line speed for a guy like that. Good hands the best route runner in the draft, like the fact he fell to 20, some of the GMs that passed on him are going to get fired. Pretty sure. Probably multiple. Cause when this dude ends up like leading the league in catches one year, some, some owner is going to be like, why the hell didn't we draft this dude in 2023? And that GM's going to go, I don't know, man. He's going to be like, give me your gun and badge. 
you're gone. Just like they do in all the cop shows. Uh, like Chris, he's the perfect, it's the perfect thing. I was texting with a, a coach on the Seahawks staff um, today. I was like, you guys just got better on third down, if nothing else. Like I was just saying here, on when it's third down or in the red zone, and they bracket DK, and they put their best guy on DK, and they put him to the boundary, and then they double Tyler, that shit ain't going to work no more. Ain't going to work no more. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Go ahead. Put your number three corner on Jackson. God bless. First down every time. And also, I got to say, his draft fit, that was crazy. Oh, I haven't got a chance to look at it. The no, ice no. was insane. It must have been close to 100K on him. Really? He, Mike, when I say he was shining. Let me, smoke, let me follow him on Instagram. I, my eyes were hurting. Boy was looking real clean. But outside of all of that, the Seahawks landed their guy. Someone that can come in, as you alluded to, and just make a difference on third down, slot. Outside, bubble screens, screens in general. You're not running. Come on, don't be having a moment. Don't ruin it with screens. He, he, he's that guy. As you mentioned, sideline to sideline. I'm sorry. What's up? What I'm sorry. I, I found a picture of the suit. My bad. I got just. <laughs> wow. Oh, oh, look at that. Look at that chain. Oh, look Come at on, these glasses. Man. These product. They sure are. Come on, man. He's oh, out man. here. He he oh. has some money on him. Oh, but, he sure do. He is the money. Oh, oh. <laughs> look at this outfit. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off. My bad. Nah, you did. <laughs> I brought good. it up for that reason alone because I knew he. I, I saw it. I was like, wow, he is worth it. But he just fits with the Seahawks. This is what the Seahawks thought D. Eskridge would be. This is what yep. Marquise Goodwin was for the for the for the most part until he got hurt. Just consistently. Now they're gonna have this throughout the whole season, mm-hmm. and he's young. What is he, 20... 22, maybe? Uh, 21. About 21. to be... He'll be 22 next year in February after the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> real young, talented, as you mentioned, a polished route runner. And the best thing is, he uses his speed perfectly in and out of his routes. He's mm-hmm. not going to blow by you on a seam or anything, but boy, within the confines of the numbers and the sideline... He is able to create separation against talented DBs, and he makes it look very, very easy. He understands how to use pace and uses eyes and head and body as movement. He's comfortable with. Yeah, he only ran a four. What was it? Four five. Four five two. I think nothing. Nothing crazy. Yeah, that's nothing not crazy. blazing. But the the one comp I immediately think of, and shout out to the home at the ring or Danny Kelly. He also saw this too. Was Amon Ross St. Brown. That's his twin. Those guys are literally the same. They just happen to be in different draft classes. And now the Seahawks have that. We saw what Amon Ra did to the Seahawks a few seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Well, now the Seahawks have that. And he can be used first down, second down. And as Mike mentioned, if they're going to bracket DK or Tyler or whatever the case may be, oh, don't forget, now we got Jackson Smith and Jigba. And he is going to be a difference maker throughout the game. When Gino needs to find some an outlet, he will step up and make the play. That is what you're looking for. Sure hands, confident, can run any route in the route tree, can go over the middle. I know he's under. He's not the biggest guy, but he's a, he got a decent size. He's six six foot one ninety six. I think that's fine. He can definitely take the hits. 
and I'm excited to see what he can bring to this team. I know he missed pretty much all of last season with that hamstring injury, but when healthy, as we saw in the Rose Bowl in that season, he is definitely someone that can be reliable and can make plays. He's a playmaker, and that's what the Seahawks needed at that third wide receiver, someone that can just be a playmaker consistently and just help DK and Tyler win. Okay, we're being doubled, so someone else has got to flash and make a play and that's where he comes in. So I'm that was day one success, A plus on that. Seahawks definitely handled that well, and he's gonna be fun to watch oh, the next man. few seasons. He's going this is this is a this is a home I'm, I'm this is a home run pick. This feels like when they took Charles Cross. Um I was like, yeah, this is this is a no-brainer. Like you just locked down a spot for a long, a long time. I thought Pete Carroll made a really good point too. Again, when I was speaking on third downs, but um, I think it was, I want to say it was Hugh Millen who asked during the the post-draft press conference, he was like, hey, Pete, you run 11 personnel about 53% of the time, which is correct. It's like 52.8 or whatever. Um, this was last year. He said, does this does Jack, drafting Jackson mean you want to run 11 personnel more? And Pete was like, no, not really, which I agree with Pete. You don't need to run it more. You know, your 12 personnel is still really good because your tight ends are good. 13 personnel, you know, we're big fans of 13 personnel on this show. That's three tight ends. What Pete said is what I was thinking when Hugh asked the question. It's like it's not about running 11 personnel more. It's about being better at it when you do. Mm. I don't have their um, EPA numbers in front of me uh, out of 11 personnel. I think they were fine. But, like, with Jackson, I think, again, it's the ceiling. I think you go from being, like, a good 11 personnel team to being, like, an elite 11 personnel team. Like, like the type of shit the Bengals got going when they have T. Higgins, um, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd on the field at the same time. Like, I think that type of the trio. Yeah. Like the same thing. The, um, the bucks had in 2020, I think it was Godwin Evans. Yeah. Yep. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and AB. Yeah. Like, Hell, even the white boy, Scotty Miller. <laughs> yeah. Even him too. But the, the trio was, the trio. Yeah. Was, was, was two hall of famers. Well, AB is probably not going to get in, but you get the point. AB, Mike Evans, and then Chris Godwin. Like that is the, that's always why we've we've cham- we've campaigned on this show for them to spend on a third receiver because it's it has that value. Like that is some that you take it from being okay to elite because the Seahawks probably had like a top what a D- T- uh, DK and Tyler like a top two top three receiving D- duo like they're they're really good. But this takes them from really good to be like oh okay we might be having conversations by November and being like wow. Yeah, up there with the Bengals, the best receiver room um, in the NFL. Um, I think the Chargers receiving room got pretty good, too. I forget which receiver they took, but um, I think they took Johnston. I think they took the TCU kid. Yeah. You pair him with Mike Williams and and Keenan Allen. I think they're cooking with something over there, too. Um, They did the same thing. They were like, let's take this from good, which they did have a good room to a potentially elite room with with that TCU kid, uh, Quentin Johnston. So I, I loved it. I loved the value. Get picked 20. I thought it was fine. That's a premium position. Good value. I think he was the first receiver off the board. He kicked off a run of receivers. I think Quentin went right after him. Yeah, he did. He went to the Chargers. I think Jordan Addison went shortly right after to the Vikings. Um, I uh, Zay Flowers, I don't really know where Zay Flowers went. I mean, Raven, you know, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was four straight receivers. Yeah. Went right after that. So that's that's incredible. Like I thought, they got good value. They got the best one of those four. Um, my my top three receivers in this class were, um, were were Jackson, Zay, and then Jonathan Mingo. So we'll see where he goes on day two. But this was this was this was brilliant. I think he's gonna be. 
Now you can hear it in Pete's voice in some of the press conferences. He was like, you know, Pete was just ah, I get a guy got to come in and compete. You know, <laughs> he was like, nah, this guy can play the slot right now. He said yeah. it like that right now. I put that in italics in my story because the emphasis on like today, like yeah. if they had a game tomorrow, he's starting over Eskridge, starting over Derek Young, Kay Johnson, all those guys. Uh, and I think he's that that talented. His talent translates right to what the Seahawks want to do. It's, every, it's perfect. It's the it's the best fit. It's just uh, I can't even. It's like Abe Lucas and Charles last year. It's like, oh, this is the perfect thing. Plug and play. Need, Plug you know, and play. Plug and play. Yeah, it's 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 done. It, it, as long as he stays healthy and hamstring fine, you know, like I mean, and he him being able to run the forty and he worked. He did do drills at the combine and he did drills at pro day. Um, he ran his forty at the pro day, so like looks like the hammy's fine. So I mean, it's a hammy, you know, he tears ACL. So. He'll be all right. Woo, Chris, boy, this dude. I can't wait. I can't wait to. Uh, I just had someone send me some tape on my drive home from VMAC. Can't wait to watch that tape uh, tomorrow after I wake up tomorrow. Oh, it's gonna be special. I think they. I'm. I think the Devin pick was like a. Was like a. They didn't optimize the value, but I do like them taking a premium position, and raising the ceiling of a premium position group. With Jackson, it's like oh, slam dunk, like. This is, I think the line I used in my story was um, their other attempts to get a receiver three, you know, Josh Gordon, Philip Dorsett, uh, Marquise Goodwin, D, Derek Young. Those were all like, if this was a baseball, those are all, they had a chance to get the warning track. Jackson has a chance to clear, mm. clear defense, home run. Love the pick, love the fit, skill set. Oh man, this is going to be, it's going to be great. Before we get out of here, let's just answer this. We we Mike put out some Twitter questions, but it's it's late. Mike been working all day. We gotta go to bed. Hell, we get he got more stuff to do tomorrow. So what we'll do is we got one question that I think will sum up pretty much the rest of the draft, and it starts on day two, right? So, what are the Seahawks going to do to shore up that defensive line pass rush? What's the best options for day two, Mike? What do you think there? See, I think this is where you can be critical of the Seahawks' decisions in day one because what they wanted they wanted to avoid in day one, which is what John Snyder essentially said was, we decided to go with premier talent over pushing players up the board to fill positions of need, which, again, we talked about in the show. That's what they did in the past. They're like, oh, we need a defensive end. Let's take a defensive end, even if he's not the highest-rated player on our board. They didn't do that. So the highest guy we got right now is Devin. Take Devin. It was like, okay, we, we, we could have took some other spots, but instead of Jackson, we like Jackson. We like the premier talent. Cool, that's fine. The only downside, which is the big downside is to this, Chris, now they basically have to push players up the board tomorrow or Friday. By the time this comes out, it'll be Friday. That's not a position you want to be in, but now you have to do it. You basically have to say, fuck, the best player on the board might be a tight end, we need a defensive tackle. So we have hmm. to push Keanu Benton up the board. We have to push the Northwestern kid up the board. We have to push Siaki Ika up the board. We have to push, there's a Bama kid in there somewhere, push him up the board. Um, again, that's not a position you want to be in, but that's, that's ultimately where they are now that they have, I mean, Chris, they still need to draft a center, still yep. need a guard. Osiris Torrance is right there for you guys at 37 Seahawks. Listen to me. Take them. But they still need a guard, still need a center, still need, like, multiple defensive tackles. They need another uh, 
sack edge. guy. Yeah, I need another edge guy. And the downside of not taking an edge earlier is I don't I think there was only probably one double digit sack guy in the first round. Actually, maybe two. If Kalaja Kanti plays edge for the Bucks, I think he could be a double digit sack guy. And then uh Nolan Smith. And uh yeah, Nolan Smith. Those are the two available to the Seahawks. So Will Anderson as well, but obviously he wasn't available. So I think that's the that's the downside. Is now you probably do have to push some players up the board. You can't really now. I don't even think they can afford to take a running back before they take a defensive tackle. Like now you can't like take like the base the best safety or whatever or the best tackle or whatever. Like now you you went you went talent over need day one. I think you 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 can live with that. But now it's like. Chris, they probably have to come away with nothing but trench players tomorrow. Like maybe maybe an inside linebacker, but it, it's got to be trenches of everywhere else. That's it. Yeah. What's his, what's his name? BJ Ojulari, LSU. Oh, I lo- oh, he didn't go. I love him. Take take him. So he's, as you said, they gotta they gotta do something because it's. I would preferably, hopefully, well, they got what thirty seven and then 50, 52? Yep, 3752. So you could probably land a, a Mozzie Smith is gone. He got picked up late. Oh, the, so, oh man, I hate yeah, Cowboys took Mozzie. I forgot who got him, but he Cowboys. got Cowboys took Mozzie. Yep. So I thought the Cowboys were gonna take a tight end, but what do I know? <laughs> oh, that was Dan Quinn ain't no dummy. He seen he seen Mozzie. He knew what to do with that. Him and Mike McCarthy, they 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 smart. They're gonna use him. That's that he's gonna be a good player. I thought Keon White would go in the first round. I thought that's the Seahawks. Could get later, maybe in the 20th. Him later. But so he's still available. That's another edge guy out of Georgia. 6'4, what? Just under 300 pounds at 285. Well, not under 300. He's 285. So that's 15 pounds. A big difference, Chris. <laughs> yeah. He, White, he's just uh, Georgia Tech, right? Georgia Tech. Yep. Definitely someone that off the edge, very physical. See how could use him, especially when it comes to the run. There's a couple of guys they can get, but they have to be money. They got to be money. They can't, they really can't screw it up just based on the fact that you went out and got a corner. You said we're going to raise the cornerback room, even though there's a glaring hole with that defensive situation, defensive line. Yeah, your boy, is it Gervon? Gervon Dexter? Yeah, Gervon Dexter. I'm looking Florida. at my big board right now. Yeah, my big board, by the time you guys hear the podcast, my big board will be out, but I'm looking at it now. Yeah, Siaki Ika from Baylor. Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, I really like. Yep, BJ Ojolari, um, Steve Avila from TCU, the guard. Um, Osiris Torrance, the guard from offensive guard from Florida. Uh, Dayon Henley still there. I think Drew Sanders, the linebacker, still there. Um, yeah, Dorian Williams, the linebacker from Tulane. They still do have. You're right, Chris. They still do have some options, but yeah. It's not. It's not as good as it could have been. Like now, not as I wouldn't even say it's not as good as it could have been. The point is now you kind of have to force it a little bit, a little bit, (laughs) a little bit. Like now you can't afford to be like, nah, we just liked Luke Musgrave more than you know John Michael Schmitz. Like ah, that's fine, but you needed a center more than you need a tight end. Like you now you have to push positional need up the board um, a little bit. So yeah, my favorites would be Ojolari, Osiris Torrance, Michael Schmitz, and Keanu Benton. Like get three of those four, right there. I think you're fine. But now, I, this is my last note on it. Now I would probably eliminate running back from day two. I, yeah. I just don't can afford that. Um, when when you don't take anyone on the D line or O line on day one, I feel like you you have to scratch running back. 
you can get there's some there's some starting running backs on day three. I promise you. Um, don't that's it. That's the downside. As much as I like the two picks they took, there are some downside. That is it. Is that now you are you got to push positional need up the board. Joe Tipman. I think all the centers are there. Luke Whipler, Joe Tipman, John Michael Schmitz. So you got all the guards, all the centers are there. So all all the inside linebackers besides Jack Campbell. So you got you got some options there, but they like you said, Chris, they can't afford really to get cute. Uh, they got kind of cute with their first pick. You can't afford to get cute at all in in day two. That's the one. That's the kind of the the downside to uh, Devin and Jackson being their two picks, kind of being seven on seven guys instead of front seven guys. To recap it, you heard it. Seahawks pick with the fifth overall pick in the 2023 draft. Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois' cornerback. And then they go with an elite guy, the best wide receiver in the group at 20th overall, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba out of Ohio State. Day two will start up on Friday when this pod is out. We want to thank you guys for tuning in, watching us. We appreciate all the love and support. We'll be back next week with our recap alongside Dame Brugler, which will be a blast because we're going to go through every single pick and he's going to give you the instant analysis on how they can help. And then, of course, we'll have our guy Sam Gold on, who I'm sure is going to just give us an hour of why Jackson Smith and Jigba is the greatest draft pick ever because, if I'm not mistaken, he is what he thought. He is what D. Eskridge was supposed to be in 2021. Just hasn't panned out with injuries. So we'll, we'll have all that coming for you guys. It's going to be a fun year. It's already off with a bang with these first two picks, and we got more coming for you. Mike, is there anything you want to add before we get out of here? Appreciate the love and support. Um, tuning in, uh, watching. Keep following us. We'll have draft. You know, I'll have draft coverage on the athletic all weekend. Uh, we just want to make sure we got some reaction to these picks, two picks that should be really good, man. I think there's reasons to be excited about both of these guys. The Seahawks did a good job. Did a good job on day one. And that's really all you can ask for for your team. Do a good job. Get better with your two, with your two draft picks. And they got better. I think they got I think they got a lot better um, as a team. Not up front, but they got better uh, as a team. So we'll catch you guys after the draft. That'll be our next podcast. We'll, we'll wait till the whole thing wraps up and talk to you guys again. Until that note, um, peace. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Yeah.